This is Long Live the Queen, a Wisteria podcast. I'm your host, Dorian LeBlanc. Some time ago, we interviewed famed game designer Mark Hart, creator of Wisteria's Possibility Engine. To date, that episode has generated more requests to invite our guest back than any other by far. Unfortunately, Dr. Hart was unable to make more time for us, but his team has given us permission to share some additional conversation from our time together. We'll play that segment for you now. So, Mark, we'd love to hear more about your unique or at least very unusual position in that Reiner Bautza is uh, in game what's known as a singleton. You are, as far as we're aware, the only player with access to that character. I wonder if you'd like to tell us something about how that came about and maybe how it uh, how it changes your experience of of being in Wisteria. Uh, oh yeah, so I am the gatekeeper for that character. So uh, uh, I don't play it completely exclusively. I uh, I do occasionally uh, allow my grad students to pilot it uh, from time to time. In fact, um, uh, on Reiner Bounce's schedule right now is a uh, rules committee meeting for the uh, Royal Ballistica Club, and uh, one of my grad students is covering that meeting. <laughs> so so I. Yeah, go I've got to imagine that what for you is an opportunity to, to get out of a meeting or some such thing has got to be for your grad student, the experience of a lifetime. Uh, well, maybe not in this case. Um, the, uh, <laughs> you know, Ballistica has enough of a following now that they kind of want to be self-governing. So mostly my role there is to rubber stamp whatever they decide, um, uh, which is less exciting. Now, uh, I do allow them to do a lot of the... Um, the collusion work uh, uh, on new variants Mm -hmm. and mods uh, for collusion uh, for the Duke. So a lot of that at this point is uh, my grad students and they do run play tests uh, and, and do other, uh, other sort of design functions. Um, So yeah, that's, um, and it's all part of, it's all part of the learning. Yeah. And all part of the research too. Got it. Got it. That's wonderful. Now, uh, obviously you know, all, all of us uh, in Meatspace can watch, um, you know, the various feeds that come from Wisteria itself so that we can follow along with what's happening in the world, even if we're not embedded in it in the moment. And I can imagine, um, given your ties to uh, to Diana Whalen and um, Harrison Kelly, that you may have some special access uh, that the rest of us mere peons don't, uh, maybe particularly around uh, the playing of your games. Now, I, I don't want to get into anything that you're not allowed to talk about, but I'll just ask flatly if there are any uh, particular moments that you've witnessed of, of people playing any of your games that you find especially noteworthy, especially amusing, uh, maybe surprising. Uh, I just wonder if you have any stories for us about uh, some of the game that you've you've seen. Well, you know, when you design a game and you, you know, sort of when you what we think of as as completing a game design, right? Like you've got a game and it's in the the metaphorical box. Um, that's really just the starting point, right? Like it's up for it's up to the audience, uh, which is to say, you know, the players and the culture and the society to decide sort of like where they want to take that game, right? And you know, nine times out of ten, where they want to take it is the trash bin. Right. But um, uh, so it's always um, it's always fascinating to sort of see what, um, you know, sort of what the world does with your creation. Um, and that's part of the creation itself. Right. Like, uh-huh. um, you know, in some sense, like the frame of the Mona Lisa includes the entire Louvre. Right. Um, 
right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, so like for in the case of, of Ballistica, we have, um, you know, it has it's pretty much out of my hands now. It's got its own governing body. Uh, I have an advisory role, but it's it's mostly mm-hmm. um, it's and it's got its own internal politics and all that stuff um, in the actual sort of evolution of the design of that game. And uh, I spend a lot of time watching. Um, mm-hmm. uh, now, uh, the uh, the metaphor uh, masquerade um is uh it, it's kind of fascinating to see how it's been evolving because it gets played both inside and outside wisteria mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and uh there i mean the, the buzz probably um, most people listening aren't big into the masquerade uh scene but um there was a thing that happened very recently at a tournament uh with baron barlachrome where um in the final round of the tournament um mm-hmm. He disguised all of his pieces as themselves and was essentially playing straight chess. Now, Masquerade is basically chess where every piece is really another piece in disguise. And Mm -hmm. he decided to subvert that. Um, And I mean, and so now everyone's talking about like the Barlachrome as being sort of like the new, like a new island in the strategic archipelago of uh, that game. And it's it's really a crazy feat because it's kind of like, like imagine playing rock, paper, scissors with someone and playing rock like nine times in a row. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're so bamboozled that when you play rock the 10th time, they're not ready for it. Like that's kind of the feat that you know that uh, that Baron Barleycrumb pulled off uh, in this final round uh, game of uh, of Masquerade. So uh, it's fascinating. It's funny you should mention that. I was I was hoping to to uh, interview Barleycrumb for for this reason because I remember that the um, a lot of the discussion around that um, that gambit was the notion that his opponent. Uh, assumed was happening that there was a there were a pair of pieces on the board whose identity were in fact swapped right right. and yeah i mean the common one is what's called in meat space it's called the drag show um Mm. which is you know you swap you disguise your king as your queen and your queen is your king right Mm -hmm. um and that's like a very common sort of like little uh uh gambit because of course that gives your king all of the power of a queen um you know and um you know and the king is basically throw a piece in uh in, normally in uh, in Masquerade. But uh, yeah, so uh, part of the gambit, right, is you have to play like your king as a throwaway piece. And you have to intimate that pieces are disguised as other things when they in fact aren't. You have to make this, this you know, this knight look like a queen, look like it's maybe che- like secretly checking something or secretly angling to uh, do something else that it isn't. When in, in fact, it's just... Uh, doing what it's doing so it's not he wasn't actually playing straight chess he was playing this bluff uh around um around this particular uh this particular setup so so uh, so what seems like uh what seems like an easily reproducible gambit is in fact nothing nothing of nothing of the kind because you have to uh as you say right you're you're there's two levels to the bluff right. right you're 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 not just playing straight chess but rather you're um Right, right. And yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see whether, for example, people start using their unmasking moves to, you know, unmask the king, take the king mask off to see if, um, you know, to to check to make sure that the king isn't hiding underneath the king, um, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, 
uh, it'll be interesting to see if that if that happens. But uh, uh, yeah, I, that, so yeah, I, I'm watching the uh, I'm watching the masquerade meta with the sort of bated breath, both you know from Meat Space and uh, as Bowser. Oh, that's great. And and since you've in some sense generally, um, uh, I, I should say very generously. Um, given those of us who play and those of us who watch, you know, some ownership of the experience, right? In, right? in the way that you're talking about it, right? You're the game designer, you've set things off, and yet now it's sort of owned by the world in some sense and, and all of the people who are in it. Um, I, I was going to ask what what of your work within Wisteria you're proudest of, but maybe it, would be, um, maybe it would be better to ask, you know, what experiences you've had within Wisteria or what things you've seen in, in Wisteria that you find most interesting, independent of, of your relationship, um, you know, to those experiences? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, right now, right now it's the, it's the masquerade meta, although I'm sure I'm definitely interested in seeing, um, uh, how, uh, Beliska tastes off. Um, we're seeing, um, I, um, got, I, I was, I was in a random bar and I got invited to play collusion um by, by someone who strangers. knew who you were no by someone who didn't oh. know anything about who i was and so oh i got you know and i got to i actually played dumb and had the had them explain the rules to me um <laughs> and the, which was good because they were playing some house rules that um i may have actually borrowed for one of the dudes parties but um yeah that was uh, a very uh you know i got to be a little bit incognito there um and that was a that was a very uh gratifying experience um, oh that's fun yeah that's fantastic and here, here's the thing though here's the thing though people always assume that the designer of the game is going to be good at playing it and that's quite frequently not true and the reason <laughs> is because the designer is playing the game that they think they made Right, and the players uh-huh. are actually, you know, the di- designer is playing the game that they were trying to make, yeah. right, and failed probably. Right, they might have created something good in the process, but like what's in their head and what's actually, you know, out there in the world is probably a little different. And they're playing that game, whereas the players they have nothing else. They're playing the actual game as it is, and so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, I I did not last long in that particular uh, game of collusion, but. Um, it was, yeah, it was fun to, it was fun. But it sounds like you had a good time anyway. Yeah yeah. 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 That really brings me back to some of our earlier conversation about Harrison Kelly, but maybe I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have a question from the feed here that came in. Um, this is an interesting one. Um, the, the question asks, um, a number of attempts to replicate the possibility engine's core functionality have failed, right? And some have claimed that the underlying theory is untenable, calling it the impossibility engine, which I'm sure you've heard before. Um, would you comment on the difficulties other researchers have had or on your presumed, um, the writer says, ability to surmount those challenges? Well, that's a little spicy. Um... Mm-hmm. All right. So look, if you look at the white paper for the possibility engine, right, or if you look at even the patent application, right, um, those are early iterations of the technology, 
Okay. Right. And so if you like, if you use that as your cookbook, um, you're going to be disappointed. And by the way, that patent, most of the, the claims in that patent application have not been upheld. There's only, there's like hmm. a couple like edge casey cryptographic uh, application claims that are still uh, upheld. But yeah, that, um, so yeah, the actual, um, the actual sort of secret sauce, if you will, um, came later. And, mm. uh, you know, I wanted to do a, a second patent application, but, um, uh, you know, Bon Anders thought it would be better to keep it proprietary within uh, the Wikipedia, uh, the Wikipedia, the Wisteria company. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so he, you know, he made me the, the deal of a lifetime, uh, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, so you know, and I had I sort of had to weigh um, the opportunities that that deal created um, against the uh, against you know the possibility of you know the possibility engine you know finding its way into more things. But you know, there's yeah, there's some innovation left uh, for the world to do outside mm-hmm. of the uh, Wisteria Corporation to actually catch up with what's going on in there um and i encourage the researchers to keep at it um Mm -hmm. and um i will no doubt hear about their success sometime in the next century (laughs) left is an exercise for the greater it sounds like yeah yeah okay that makes sense yeah yeah yeah. it's interesting you should talk about the opportunities it's afforded you um so um one imagines that your your career as an academic is uh at least in part made possible by the deal you're referring to with yes uh, absolutely with coo bon anders um so uh in some sense uh whatever you know, whatever lockdown the possibility engine is on has unlocked uh, a lifetime of research that you can do um, yeah. at Berkeley where you are with your with your grad students. Are there any other uh, um, uh, topics of research in the pipeline that, uh, you know, that you're able to talk about publicly or maybe uh, some ideas that you haven't yet uh, come to, but that you're you have some interest in and that you'd like to discuss? Uh, well, you know, Bowser's um, he's got some things in the pipe. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. And, you know, again, it's all about sort of trying to sort of replicate a counterfactual, right? It's all about, you know, how do things go there um, that are different from how they went here? And and there's a little bit of, you know, hindsight because, of course, um, uh, Wisteria's technology level is not ours. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, game design um, has benefited from... Uh, in many indirect ways from a hundred years of technology. Um, and so some of it is like sort of bringing, um, bringing those learnings, you know, back to a place from before they could have been learned um, in some sense. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, Baus is working on a work replacement game that I'm, it doesn't have a name yet, but um, mm-hmm. hopefully he'll work the kinks out of it and, uh, and be happy with it. Um and we're messing around with uh, we're messing around with croquet. We're kind of giving croquet the hmm. ballistic treatment. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and some of it is, of course, we are uh, uh, playing to our audience, right? You know, so mm-hmm. um, um, uh, it's much easier to get play tests when you have um, the interest of the aristocracy than when you are just you know showing up in bars trying to get. 
you know, random folks to play your new drinking game or whatever. Uh, sure. Sure. And, and what about playing to an audience of one? What are some games that you still play? I'm curious to know if you still play Dungeons and Dragons, if the old school board games still hold uh, interest for you. If your grad students, you know, go out drinking on Friday night and play collusion in a corner of a bar somewhere. There, there's a little bit of that going on. Definitely. Um, there's some, there's some RPGs. I'm, I'm actually uh, more of a champions player myself. Uh, also pretty old school. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, though that's a harder sell. Um, you know, you gotta... uh, that's a, a superhero game from the 1960s, 19 something. Yeah, 1980s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 1980s. So okay. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it really is is, uh, yeah, it's like a programming language for describing superheroes. So you can, you can huh. pretty much instantiate any fictional genre you like because superheroes can do anything, right? They can be wizards. Sure. They can be, you know, you know, tech users. They can be, you know, and so like you can put your own design constraints on that right and then have any genre you want so um uh that's uh what kind of what i love about it um yeah a game designer's game yeah it's kind of a game designer's game yeah so Uh um uh there's a little bit of that going on um and the rumor is you're uh you're a pretty solid hand at go as well no uh solid you know i um i have uh i whenever i get out uh Whenever I get out to, you know, Taipei or, or Seoul, I'll find a, I'll find a parlor and, uh, get trounced by like the locals, <laughs> but, um, um, they're always amused to see me there. Uh, uh-huh. and, uh, do they recognize you there? Do they know who you are? Generally? Um, I haven't actually made any repeat visits to the same salon uh, yet, yeah, okay. but, um, uh-huh. uh, I don't know that that will happen. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. And they certainly haven't recognized me for, you know, as, uh, you know, for my other reputation, for my, as a yeah. game designer, I think. You know. Yeah, yeah, So it sounds like you, um, you really get to bounce, or, bounce around a lot. You're spending time as Reiner uh, Bautza, of course. You're spending time, you know, as uh, Professor Hart, right? Running, running the, <clears throat> the research that you're doing. Um, uh, that sounds great. Um, do you do you find that it takes away from your ability to to relax and unwind? Um, you know, having your work be something that's so deeply recreational. Well, yes. I mean, that's it, 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 any creative will tell you that that what in any medium will tell you that that's a sacrifice that you make, right? If you're a filmmaker, then you can't watch a movie without you know checking the top of the frame for the boom dipping down right like if you're a you know mm-hmm. if you're a, a writer then you're you know then you're constantly critiquing or admiring the wordsmithing of what's on the page before you and you know if you're a game designer you know you're kind of I, we talked a little bit about connoisseurship earlier but you're um, you're always sort of like looking at it through multiple lenses, you know, both at the craftsmanship. There's actually a concept we uh, talk about uh, in game design called inoculation, which is, you know, um, sort of elder gamers um, may be inoculated to concepts and mechanics that are still new to new players, right? Like, um, mm. you know, I don't, you know, the obvious one is like, you know, once you've played tic-tac-toe and kind of figured it out, right, you've played tic-tac-toe and figured it out. But to uh, a little kid, you know, it's still exciting. And, you know, like, you know, how many hundreds of games of rock, paper, scissors 
can you play before you kind of get what rock, paper, scissors is. But that doesn't mean that, you know, someone else might still uh, might still enjoy it. So um, one of the things that you have to do as a game designer is um, you kind of have to constantly be uh, guarding against your own tastes in a funny way. Like you're, you know, guarding against your own inoculation and, and you know, what... Um, you know, the game that you don't have to, like, if you make a game designer's game every time, like, you're going to have very a very small audience, right? Um, it's okay to do that once in a while, but um, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm much more interested in, again, how the culture is going to take what you do, you know, and, you know, and take it to where they need to take it. And, uh, you know, if every time where they need to take it is the trash bin, then uh, that's uh, that's not so good. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What's interesting to the expert and what's interesting to the casual player can be really radically different. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm, I'm wondering. Um, we touched uh, in the, you know, in the main part of the interview, we touched on um, um, Bowser as a singleton, <clears throat> Bowser, and um, I, I'm sure that a lot of the work that you do in in Wisteria, uh, uh, you know, uh, for designing games is solitary work or at least worked on with a small team but i've got to imagine you know that bounce is still out in the world like even in you know a game designer's got to eat which means you've got to visit the bar or whatever um i wonder are you do you have do you have an awareness maybe that the rest of us lack right are you aware of the workings of the possibility engine in the characters that you interact with in game like do you do you have that sense that these people are in some sense aggregate personalities or you know is that an aspect of the boom coming in from the top of the frame for you or um you know is is it just seamless even to you uh it's pretty seamless it's pretty seamless i think there are moments uh, certainly um there are moments after the fact where you're kind of like, you know, you're kind of like thinking about, you're in meat space, you're thinking, you're, you know, you're thinking about, you know, what was happening the other day, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, um, and there, mm-hmm. there are like little moments like that. Um, why didn't they? And then you realize that, you know, the they is actually not singular; it's plural. Um, and, uh, yeah, there are moments, there are individual moments, but certainly nothing in the moment. Like I don't have, I don't have recollections of Bautza thinking that. Got it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I do have recollect, like I do occasionally, I am occasionally like, oh, this makes much more sense in the context of, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, of the, the sort of aggregation that's going on. Um, yeah. But. Coming back to the question of recreation, I guess it's it's good news that you're not seeing any of the, you know, slight flaws while you're playing the game that you still get the full experience, you know, even knowing some of how the, you know, the magic is created. That's really good news. Well, I, ha- and I, get, I haven't actually played much as a non-singleton, right? So, like, I don't actually, yeah. you know... Um, I'm also an only child, so I don't actually, <laughs> I don't actually know what it's like to have siblings, and I don't yeah. really understand the experience that, like how the experience that other players have is different, or if it, even it is, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and how yeah. much can any of us know about, you know, what any of us brings back, uh, brings back from Mysteria, right? I mean, that's. Yeah, I guess that's part of the point. Uh, Mark, I know that you're uh, as busy as a man can be, but I really appreciate your sticking around the studio a little extra to uh, to chat with me. 
uh, now that we have the interview in the can. Thanks for doing it. It was great. It's, it's fascinating to hear these experiences. Thanks so much for coming by. Long live the queen. Long live my royalties. Long live my royalties.